great to see you today. You guys glad to be here today? Hey man, me too, me too. I missed out on the last couple of weeks. I'm glad to be back here uh, with you today. Thanks for being here. If you're on campus or online, man, we are so glad that you're worshiping with us today. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I got the opportunity to go down to South America and to see the ministry uh, that's caring for kids down in some really impoverished parts of the world. That ministry is called Compassion International. I don't know if you're familiar with Compassion, but they do a great work in some really, really impoverished parts of the world, caring for kids and ministering to their families. And so I got to go with a couple pastors and we actually went to Bolivia and, and looked on location at the ministry that they do. And it was a great experience. For example, uh, we rolled up to one uh, location and all these kids were there with some handmade signs that welcomed us and they were so glad that we had come. And then, uh, then they put on some uh, customary outfits and they did some dances and just some really, really cool stuff for us. We got to see that. And then they said, if you got some gifts, you can come bring them. So I, I bought a couple of uh, coloring books, like at the 99 cent store, and you'd have thought I handed them, uh, a, you know, $1,000 because they were so excited. They lined up so that each one could get one page torn out of the coloring book. And they had, I think, one color and they could share and they shared colors to color that. And it was just a, a neat experience. We got to go into one of the villages in a remote area and we saw a little girl and her family. In fact, the little girl in the pink is in the program. And her father is a brick maker. So that's what he does all day is make bricks. And so their house, which is a one room uh, shed basically, was made of brick and they had one bed in there and you could see her pallet in the corner where her backpack was and where a little poster from school was. But you could see the impact that that ministry was having on her. But I tell you the thing that really stood out to me, I've taken away, I've thought about it many times, is that we were in one of the locations and we were looking at all the different things that they provide. Uh, health care, health screenings, education, obviously God's word and discipleship. But I noticed on, there, on one wall there was a poster board that had two columns. One column had the list of names and on the other column across from it were a list of countries. Several USAs, a couple of Canadas, a couple of UKs in there. And I asked one of the workers, I said, well, so what is this sign here? She said, oh, this is a very important sign. She said, this is a list of the donors that have given so that these kids can have this opportunity. And if those people somewhere located somewhere else in the world had not given, these children know they would not have what they're receiving right now. And it just stood out to me the power of generosity and the impact that giving makes even beyond what we see. Danny Thomas was a, a popular comedian and TV show uh, host back in the 50s and 60s. He also was the founder of St. Jude Hospital, which provides health care for very sick kiddos that cannot afford treatment. And he made this statement. I thought it was a profound statement. He said, there are two types of people in the world, the givers and the takers. The takers sometimes eat better, but the givers always sleep better. And I think, I think that's really true. You know, as I think about it, there are two kinds of people. There, there are people that are givers and there are takers. 
There are people that are others-centered and there are people that are self-centered. There are people that live life with an open hand and there are people that live life with a clenched fist. And Solomon is going to be talking about this and basically what he's saying is that to be a giver is better. To, to be a giver is what brings life. All right, so if you got your Bible, I want you to open it up with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. It's where we're going to land today. Ecclesiastes 11, just the first six verses. But uh, Solomon is, remember, he's older now, wise, uh, wisest man to ever live apart from the Lord Jesus himself. And now later in his years, he is giving the purpose to life, the meaning of life, the, the, the why behind life. And he's going to talk about the importance of generosity. Now, let me just try to give you an, a, an idea, give you a, a thought, give you a kind of a pithy statement that kind of wraps up what he's driving at in these verses. In fact, you can write this in your notes, or you can write it in the margin of your Bible, but I want you to write this statement down. Giving makes life worth living. Now, I know that sounds kind of maybe border on cheesy, you know, it's, you know giving, living, it all rhymes together, but I want you to think about it for just a minute. Giving, he's saying, really is what makes life worth living. That when you are a giver, that's when you find joy. And when you're a taker, not, think about it. You know, takers are seldom happy people, all right? They're just, they're just grumpy most of the time, right? Takers are not happy. Takers are users. Takers are abusers. Taker, takers look at what you have and how you can get it to them or how they can use you to get something else that they want. That's what takers do. They're never satisfied with where they are and they're always using others to get their own things or their own desires or their own goals, meet their own goals. But givers are different. Givers are by and large happy people even if they don't have much givers are thoughtful people givers are purposeful people givers are joyful people and they found this secret that life and joy in life is not what I take it's what I give now listen Solomon is primarily talking to younger people here so if you are 30 and under I want you to listen to me 30 you're welcome I called you younger 30 and under I want you to listen to me here for just a minute all right listen it's really important if you're listening online I want you to listen to me right now it's really important for you to understand because when you're younger you think man if I just get more if I can just get into that position if I can just acquire that if I can just attain that then I'm really going to be happy these things that I get are going to make me happy and joyful and Solomon is saying, hey, I've had all of that. You can't ever possibly experience or pursue anything that I have not already had. And I'm telling you, at the end of that road, it's the times when I gave that brought me joy. It's not the times when I took that brought me joy. And I think that's an important lesson for us to learn. Givers, giving is what makes life worth living. And really, Solomon's been on both sides of this issue, right? He spent a lot of his time as a taker. You know, delving into every pursuit and every pleasure. Take, 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 take. Make me happy. And he's realized now that at the end of his life, giving is what satisfied him. And by the way, I've been on both sides of that aisle too. You have too. There have been times when you've been a taker and you wanted things and you didn't care for other people and you focused more on yourself. And then there were times when you gave. And I know that I look back at my life and the times when I was a taker and the times when I was a giver, and it's the times when I gave that I'm happy I gave. So giving, he's saying, is what makes life worth the living. 
And, and, and so the rest of this passage is explaining why that's true. Why is that true? The giving makes life worth living. And so I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts. I want you to write these things down. At our church, we take notes, even in home, all right? You can, you can take your notepad out, write these things down so you can reflect on them during the week, all right? Here's the first thing I want you to write down. Why is it important to live generously? Here's the first thing, is that giving has a way of coming back to you. Giving has a way of coming back to you. Look at Ecclesiastes 11 verses 1 and 2. This is the word of God. He said, send your bread on the surface of the water, for after many days you may find it. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you, know, for you don't know what disaster may happen on earth. Now, this first verse, cast your bread on the water, some versions say, send your bread on the water, others say, I'm not sure how your translation works it, but it's kind of a little difficult to translate. Some people have said, some scholars have said, he's talking about international trade, all right? And that if you send your goods over the water uh, to some other country internationally, you get a better return on that. Solomon may have been trading internationally, but the rank and file guy didn't trade internationally, right? Not like today where you can do trade some day stocks today, international do that. They didn't do that back then. So I'm taking a more literal approach to this passage. And he says, picture someone standing casting bread on their on the water. Why would anybody do that? You know when uh, when my wife and I were very young, we were first married, we were living on love, people, because we had nothing. I mean, we were dirt poor. We were below the poverty level. We were both working, trying multiple jobs, trying to get through college before we went on to grad school. And uh, I was working at a bank. And in between our apartment and the bank, there was a park. And so many times, instead of nice, fancy date nights, we just did picnics. And so Liz would get, she had a little picnic basket. And so she would make sandwiches at home, uh, probably with Spam or something like that. And, uh, and then we would get to the park and we would put out the blanket and we would have this awesome picnic. But usually, almost every time, we would walk over to the pond that was at this park and we'd start throwing our bread on the water. Now, why would we do that? Well, because the ducks loved it, right? I mean, they're quacking, they're coming from, I mean, they see us just approaching. Here they all come. They're all coming quacking, man, they're moving. They're, they're ready for that. The fish will come up out of the bottom and they'll gobble down these, these pieces of bread we're throwing on the water. Now, I think this is the picture that Solomon is painting. He said, listen, you just throw what you have out to those that need it and what you'll find is that that generosity is going to come back to you if you live life with an open hand people are going to have an open hand toward you if you're generous toward people that people are going to be generous toward you it's kind of the uh, ancient way of saying what goes around comes around right and we find this same principle many other places in the bible for example in uh, Psalm 112, verse 5, it says, good will come to the one who lends generously. If you're generous to people, good's going to come to you. Same thing is found in Proverbs 11, verse 25. A generous person will be in, enriched, and the one who gives a drink of water will receive water. This is what I call the George Bailey principle. Remember George Bailey? George Bailey, you know, from It's a Wonderful Life. Remember him? 
He's this generous banker that loves people and knows his people. And uh, he gives a loan to people that, that really need it. And if they can't make their payment, he defers their payment. And, and he knows that they'll make up for it. And, 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 and George is a generous man. And then the crash happens. The bank goes under. George is in trouble. What happens? Spoiler alert, if you don't know the movie, turn off the video right now. Anyway, uh, the town comes out for George, and they're all piling money in this bag, and they go, oh, this is for George, we love George. Why are they doing that? Because George has been generous, and so people are generous to him. You cast your bread on the water, and it will come back. You give to others, and people will want to give to you, this is really what Jesus said in Luke 6, 38, when he said this, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So I think that's what he's saying here is that if you give, then good is gonna come back to you. The generosity has a way of coming back to you. In fact, he goes on to say in verse two, give a portion to seven and even to eight for you don't know what disaster may happen on earth. What is he saying? Well, he's talking about uh, the number seven there means completion, right? Or fullness. So when you give, give what they need. Then he says, if seven's good, then even give eight. In other words, don't just stop at what they need. Give a little bit more. In other words, be generous, be extravagant, give more than what they need because you just don't know what they're dealing with. You just don't know what they really need. You really don't know what they're living with. So I think the first reason why he says giving makes life worth living is because when you are a giver, then people will give to you. When you love people, people will love you back. Now, it's not a, a quid pro quo. It's not like, well, this is why I'm doing it because I'm going to do this so that people will be nice to me later. I don't think that's what he's saying. It's just a principle in life that those who are generous, uh, generosity seems to come back to them. The second reason why we're to be generous is this. When you give, God uses you to meet people's needs. That's kind of a basic idea, but it's so true. God actually will choose to use you the God of the universe is going to choose to use you to meet someone's need that he cares deeply about. Look at verse 3. He says, if the clouds are full, they will pour out rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or the north, the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. Say, so, well, what does that mean? Well, Solomon, again, is talking about generosity, and, and he's reaching for some illustrations. He goes, okay, so let's, uh, how about this? A cloud. Why is a cloud in the sky? <laughs> Why does a cloud have rain? Why does a cloud have a precipitation? Well, because it, it retains it, but then it's there to give it. That's why God created it. That's how it works. That it, re it receives so it can release. And it's a blessing to those that receive it, right? Well, think about a tree. Okay, a tree, it's, it, you're going in through the forest and you see this tree and it's fallen over. And, and why did it fall to the north or to the south? And why is it there? Well, because God has placed it where it is. Even a tree falling in the forest is under the sovereignty of God and the providence of God, that God has a purpose in all of it. So you put these illustrations together. He's saying, listen, the reason you have things is because God will choose to use what you have to be a blessing to others. 
and God has placed you, just like that tree, God has placed you where you are at the right time, at the right place, to be a vessel he can use in another person's life. Now think about that. God's put you right where you are to be a vessel he can use. God wants to take care of this person. He goes, who do I have that's close? Oh, I've got my, 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 my man right here. I got my lady right here. And they love me and they're walking. I'm going to prompt them. I'm going to resource them. And I'm going to prompt them to give here because they don't know it, but I know what this person needs. Isn't that amazing? That God would choose to use you and me for something that he's doing. But that's exactly what God does. You know, when I think about this, you don't have to have a lot of money to be a generous person. Do you know that? A lot of people go, well, I, you know, I'd, I'd love to be generous. I just, you know, I just don't have it. But some of the most generous people are not wealthy people. I think about a woman named Mama Jo. Mama Jo was, I first met her probably 20 years ago. She was in her 70s back then. She's, on, she's gone on to be with the Lord now. But before I met her, she and her husband worked in college ministry on college campuses for decades. By the time I met her, her husband had already gone on to be with the Lord. But she was still very passionately ministering to college students, particularly to international students at one university that had a high density of international students. And uh, Mama Jo, they called her Mama Jo for a reason. Because if an international student needed uh, to see a doctor, Mama Joe took them to the doctor. If an international student needed uh, food to eat, Mama Joe took them to the grocery store and probably bought their groceries. If an international student didn't have a place to live, Mama Joe probably brought them into her house and she had a very, very, very modest home. And I remember she had some uh, contractor friends of hers come in and actually expand the back of her house to put in additional rooms with bunk beds so that she could have more international students living with her to care so she could care for them. They called her Mama Joe because she was a mama to many of these international students that come from other countries. They had no one to care for them, but she knew they needed Jesus. And she knew the only way they would see Jesus if they saw him through her. Mama Jo showed me what generosity looks like, how God can use anybody if you're just willing to be used by him, if you're just willing to do what he prompts you to do. Listen, why, why is generosity or why is giving what makes life worth living? Because when you do, generosity comes right back to you. Another reason is because God will use you to bless other people. And folks, let me just say this. Don't we need that right now? I mean, we have so much division in our country right now. We have so much hostility. We have so much, you know, are you for this or for that? Are you with them? Are you with this group? Or, you know, there's so much pulling us apart. What we need are followers of Jesus filled with the Spirit of God that are just ready to give and ready to be gracious and generous and to show that a person has value in the eyes of God. That's what we need. Let me give you one more reason why giving makes life worth living, and that is this. Don't put off giving today when you have the opportunity. Don't put it off. Look at, look at verse 4. He says, one who watches the wind will not sow, and the one who looks at the clouds will not reap. 
Well, what's it? Now he's grabbing for another illustration. This is a farming illustration. And he's like this, look, if you're looking for the perfect day to go out and work, then you'll never get any work done. I, uh, I grew up uh, in a rural environment. All of our friends were farmers. Some of my first jobs were in the farming industry. And uh, I never saw a farmer go out and go, well, you know, it's just a little too hot today. I'm probably not going to go out, you know. Or, you know, it's just a little too cold today. I probably won't, I probably won't harvest anything. I, you know, it's just a little too windy, a little too cloudy. No, no, they don't do that, you know. Because you know why? If you did that, you'd never get anything done. You'd never have a harvest if you don't just do it right and so that's what he's saying here is like hey you, if you're waiting for the perfect time for you to be generous then you'll never be generous if you're like well you know when I get college paid off then we'll have a little margin or if you know we take if we take that big vacation next year then we'll have some margin to give you know if or if I you know if I have a little extra time here then I might go by and see so and so you will never get it done you will have intentions that will never become reality the best time to be generous is when the Holy Spirit prompts you to be generous. If you have ability and there's a need and the Spirit of God goes, hey, I want you to take care of them. I want you to buy their groceries. I want you to pay for the guy behind you at Chick-fil-A, you know, or whatever. You know, I want you to do this. Then do it. Let me tell you, I, I think the one thing that I've learned, if I've learned anything in walking with Jesus for my life, it's been this, when the Spirit of God prompts you to do something, there's a reason. And that reason happens now. It needs, you need to act now. If he's prompting you to give or to help someone or be generous to someone, don't say, well, I'll take care of that next month. Or because you don't know, the need is probably now. And so we need to move and respond to him right now and not wait and not delay and not wait for a better time. Now is the time. When I was a young pastor, uh, Liz and I uh, had this family in our, our church that, that just loved on us. And uh, they were named Bob and Mona. And nobody really knew Bob and Mona that much, even in the church. I mean, they were very much behind the scenes kind of people. You would never see them on a platform. You would never see them leading a group. They were just kind of very much in the shadows, but they loved us and they were just gracious to us. I mean, when our girls were young, they would say, come bring them over to our house and let them swim in our pool. They had a big pool and our girls loved that and they would swim in the pool. And then swimming in the pool usually led into well, why don't you stick around and let us feed you something and we got some steaks we'll throw on the grill and so they would do that sometimes they would just bring stuff by the house well, I saw this I thought you'd like it I'll leave it on your front porch they had no agenda they had no there was no manipulation no strings attached they just loved us they had kids that were our age and uh, they just wanted to show us love. I remember one time Bob showed up on my front porch with two shopping bags from a men's store and he had shirts and sweaters in there. And he said, I just thought I'd go shopping and I was thinking about you and here you go. And I, he was probably thinking, man, somebody needs to help the preacher in his wardrobe really bad. I'm gonna go help him out a little bit. But you know what? Um, when I think back, and this has been a while now because we were early in ministry at that time. I remember a few things that they gave us. A few of them I can recall in my mind. Most of it I don't, but what I do remember that I've never forgotten is their heart of love and generosity. Never forgotten. Made a profound impact 
on my life. You know why? Because they had no idea that sometimes they would give us something that we really needed. And maybe it wasn't the item. Maybe it was just the ministry of giving that we needed to receive in that moment. That's why Solomon says, don't wait. Do it now. Look at, look at what he says in, uh, in verse 5. Just as you don't know the path of the wind or how bones develop in the womb of a pregnant woman, so also you don't know the work of God who makes everything. Underscore, underline, circle the two times. He says, you don't know. Look at verse 5. He says it twice. You don't know the path of the wind. You don't know the work of God. In verse 6, he says, because you don't know what will succeed. The, the phrase is over and over. You don't know what God is doing. We, there's so much we don't know. We don't understand the, the, how weather works. I mean, we've got all these models and, and technology. We still can't get the weather right, right? We don't know how a baby is formed in the womb. We know uh, all that, that happens, but how it happens and the mystery of it, we don't fully understand. And he's saying, listen, there's so much we don't understand understand and what you know, need to know is that you don't know what God is doing so if God prompts you to be generous just do it you don't know what's happening in their life you have no idea what conversations they had last night Josh told a story a couple of weeks ago about uh, a friend that God prompted him to pay for the groceries of the person that was ahead of them at the grocery store. Remember that story? And I mean, I, listened to, I got choked up listening to the story. And they turned to him and they said, you had no idea we were rolling in here and we didn't know how we were going to make ends meet. And all of a sudden you said, God told you to help us. Listen, folks, you just don't know what's going on in people's lives. And so when the Spirit of God has given you ability and the Spirit of God prompts you to be generous, then do it. Verse 6, he says this, In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening do not let your hand rest, because you don't know which will succeed, whether uh, one or the other, or if both of them will be equally as good. Some people think he's talking about div uh, diversifying your portfolio, okay? It could be. But I think that principle works in generosity too. Hey, just be eager and ready to have an open hand wherever you turn because you really don't know which one will have the greatest impact. It may be the big donation you made to uh, you know, a Christian organization or it may be the fact that you just paid for a meal for a family. We don't know until we get to heaven and we look back to really know the impact that has been made. So just do it. So Solomon is telling us in his wisdom, listen, life is not being a taker. Life is about being a giver. It's giving that makes life worth living. It's when you give, giving comes back to you. When you give, you're used by God as an instrument to bless others. Uh, that's why you have what you have and where he's put you, where he's put you. And when you do it, do it quickly do it promptly do it joyfully do it obediently unto God because you have no idea what's happening in the lives of people around you so I want to close out this challenge to you in a very practical way I want you to draw two lines okay two parallel lines one horizontal one on on top of the other and I want you to just draw those lines on a page, just kind of like this right here. I think we've got a, 
little graphic, just two little parallel lines. And on the top line, I want you to write the name of someone who has been generous to you. Just think back for a moment. Who has given to you? Who has been generous? Maybe that person that gave you that loan at the beginning to get your business started. Maybe it was somebody that helped you get going in your career. Maybe it was somebody that helped you pay for that semester of college when you were going to have to step out of it. Maybe it was somebody that gave you a place to live or gave you a place to stay. Who's been generous to you? Boy, you know, this week when I started writing on that front line, that top line, I really became overwhelmed that God's brought a lot of people into my life that have been generous to me, none of which I deserved. But God just brought generous people in my life. And I'm thankful for that. On the second line, I want you to write the name of someone you can be generous to this week. Who are the, who's somebody in your life, maybe at work, maybe it's on your kid's uh, baseball team, maybe it's somebody you know here at the church, and you can just be generous to them. Maybe it's take them shopping, or maybe it's buy them a meal, take it by their house. Maybe it's, maybe it's to give them a check that anonymously that they don't know where it comes from, but you know that they have a need and God is prompting you. One of the greatest joys that I have as a pastor is so many times I see this happen in our church body. I'll have somebody come to the office and they'll say, hey, now pastor, I'm gonna write a check and this is for so-and-so, but I don't want them to know it's coming from us. And so would you do that? And so we get to sit across the table and say to that person, hey, I just want you to know that somebody gave this to you and just watch them cry. And they go, how did they know? Spirit of God, what the body does. So who could you do that with this week? Don't just let these words go by. Don't let Solomon's words just fade from your ears. Do something about it. Let the Spirit of God prompt you to be generous. Because that's where life is. That's where the joy is. I want you to bow your heads with me for just a minute. And if you're at home, then you just bow your heads with me just right there. You know, at the heart of the gospel is giving. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That God demonstrated his love toward us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died. He gave his life for us. At the heart of the gospel is a God who gives to those who do not deserve it. And before you can truly be an instrument and a reflection of this God who gives, you have to first know him. So do you know him? Have you received the gift of God, of salvation, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of a new start, the gift of a relationship with Him? Just as a giver extends a gift, a receiver has to receive it. And the way that you receive a right relationship with God, listen, is through faith in Christ alone. So has there been a time in your life when you've received this gift of eternal life? 
Have you confessed your sin? Have you asked Christ to forgive you? Have you asked him to come in to be the king and the Lord, the leader, the boss in charge of your life? Are you following him? If not, then right now is your opportunity to do that. Right where you are, right seated in this room. Seated wherever you're watching this stream today. God's speaking to you right now that today is your day. Now is your moment to receive Christ. So just with your heads bowed, if you feel the prompting of the Spirit of God saying you need Christ, you need forgiveness, you need a new start, then I want, you to, I want to lead you in a simple prayer of faith to receive Jesus. You just pray the simple prayer with me right now. Dear Lord Jesus, I just confess my sin to you. I know that I'm far from you. And I know I've drifted away from you. But I believe you died on a cross for me. And I believe you rose again from the dead. So I'm asking you now, please forgive me. Please come into my life. Please make me a new person. I choose today to follow you. And Lord, help me be a giver and not a taker. Let me be a, a mirror that reflects you to the people around me. Father, I thank you for your unfailing love for us. Thank you that you are a God that gives. You're a heavenly father that knows how to give good gifts to his kids and you gave your own son for us so that we could walk in fellowship with you. And Lord, you have given us so much. Everything we have comes from you. Every good gift we have comes from you. How can we then hoard it to ourselves when you prompt us to give to others? So Lord, I pray that this week we would look with spiritual eyes at the people around us, that we would look for places that we can extend generosity and extend the gospel to be a mirror that reflects your love. Lord, use us in this way. And Lord, help us to say yes when you prompt us, when you point out the need. Help us be eager and joyful and ready because that's where life is. Lord, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.